Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast. Hello. Just before we get on with today's episode, Chris and I want to tell you all about our Patreon page. It won't take long, but we think you're going to want to hear it. Because you're missing out, quite frankly. Massively. All the more risque stuff that we sometimes think, oh, can we get away with that? Uh, we put it on our Patreon pages. And there's over 150 episodes uh, for our $10 subscribers. Absolutely. So for well, whatever that works out in UK pounds, what's that, about £7.50 a month? Yeah, for, for the price of a bag of chips, for a Savoy and chips, you can actually have us in your ears four times extra a month. That's four episodes minimum that we put out um, exclusively for Patreons. Plus, um, there's loads of... We video most of our episodes now and the videos. You can watch all of the podcasts now over on Patreon as well. Um, we put up loads of other unique content over there, yeah, don't there's, we? Yeah, there's, there's pictures there. It's basically our version of our own new fans account, isn't it, basically? So you, you exactly. get the sort of pictures on there of, of the behind the scenes of Stu tucking into a pot noodle, basically. Sort of stuff you, that shouldn't be available to the public. No one needs to see that. But that's all. We just thought we'd give you a quick heads up that if you're enjoying these podcasts, then be aware for like £7.50, you can go and listen to over 150 exclusive episodes. And there's some great ones over there with previous guests as well. Um, Loads of names that you're going to recognise if you've been listening to to the the weekly podcast we put out. And and also, if you are a subscriber, we're more than likely to do one of your top fives if you recommend it because we prioritise the patrons first, don't we, as well? Absolutely, yeah. So we, we try and sort of do as many top five suggested by you lot as well. So, uh, yeah, head over to Patreon. Where can they find out about it, Chris? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash hardcore listing. Easy peasy. And you can watch an intro video there as well of us in jacuzzis and doing sexy stuff. With Gal Porter. With Gal Porter. Not doing sexy stuff with Gal Porter. Can I just clear, clear that up? <laughs> Gal, not trying to drag your name through the mud. <laughs> and Scroobius Pip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash hardcore listing. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. It is the podcast where myself and Christopher Glasson... Hello, greetings. uh, ...get a guest on and we ask the guest to pick a top five topic and then within that topic they count down the definitive top five within it. Yes, Chris, yes. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Um, I guess we should thank our sponsors first and foremost, yes. Charles and Lovebeer.co.uk. Um, still, they're still selling loads. He's still delivering beers to your doorstep, um, and there is a little promo code for that as well. Can you remember that, Stu? Can you remember the promo? Oh, code? I can't remember that. That's yours, mate. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, LBHCLP. So stick that okay. in Love-Beer.co.uk, and you can get 15% off of your. Alcohol, yes, and also Luke from Bang Boom Creative, who um, we recently recorded with, and that just went out on Patreon, didn't it, as well? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what's up to Luke and uh, the Bang Boom Creative crew? And a quick shout out, of course, to our wonderful producer, 76. Well done. Right, should we steam straight in and introduce our guest? Mate, after you, I'll let you do the honours. Okay, joining us today, uh, frontman of Creeper, is Will Gould. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? 
all the we better, were. mate, for we seeing were. that uh, wonderful mini rug that you just showed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a miniature woven rug. Um, wow. I thought that if it was large, it would probably cost a lot of money. I'm not sure how much a, a small woven rug like this would go for, really. Uh, it's but you know, the big ones. It is. It's a lot of uh, craftsmanship on, on a small <laughs> rug like that. <laughs> Do you think a smaller rug was made by a smaller person? I mean, with smaller hands. I imagine it was made by the borrowers. You know, it feels like something that might fit <laughs> yes. to their house. Definitely, oh, that's man. a great shirt. <laughs> um, okay, Will. So the, uh, the 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 setup is. I'm sure you're aware that um, because I know. Well, I know you're aware because you've chosen the top five. So I'm going to ask you, um, what is your top five going to be today, Will? Well, I've chosen Jim Steinman kind of B-sides and rarities. Uh, so little known, uh, I've got some little known things to talk to you about. Um, but this is just a nerdy thing that I've always been very, very invested in, uh, the career of Jim Steinman. And if, uh, if anyone listening doesn't know, has not heard of Jim Steinman or unfamiliar, you will absolutely be familiar with his work because he's written some of, uh, some of the biggest songs of all time. Um, very famous for um to, for writing Battle of Hell, uh, the, the the Meatloaf record, and there was all of this controversy at the time of um, how big Jim Steinman's name was on the cover because he wrote all those songs. Um, yeah. But he's also written songs for Celine Dion, uh, for Boyzone, um, like like his his credits uh, kind of span far and wide. Uh, so he's uh, one of the one of the greatest songwriters. Obviously, Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Basically, every song you've ever danced to at a wedding has been written by Jim Steinman. If you've ever pumped your fist, it would have been to Steinman, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Those sort of uh, okay. power ballad uh, nights. nights. I've got, got a lot to, to thank Steinman for, basically. A hundred percent. It's very sort of um, epic sounding, mm. isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I think that like a lot of the time, well, he he based a lot of his um, his style, uh, production style, on uh, on Phil Spector, um, and obviously Spector's known for excess and um, like building uh, the, the wall of sound and the wall of sound. Uh, and uh, uh, so Steinman was was kind of doing a similar thing, just more and more and more and more. Uh, that that you, you don't really get a very um, you don't get a very dialed down Steinman song across his across his work. It's uh, always very flamboyant and over the top, and it's been a reference point for me and in, in my work uh, for years and years and years. But he's got I had a fascinating career. It's, it's a a lot of really funny funny stories about Jim Steinman um, over the years. Well, I, I guess we uh, we're going to touch on a few of those uh, as this podcast unfolds. Before we um, get rolling on that, were there any other considerations for top fives when you got to uh, before you chose uh, Jim Steinman rarities? So I was trying to think of things that uh, like that were particular to to my niche interests, um, and it was really boring ones I came up with at first. I was I could just talk about David Bowie the entire time, but uh, people like like people that know me with this the. That they've heard all that before, you know. Um, so and, and also, I think people would have done that, you know. So and, and then I was like, well, I could talk to you about professional wrestling. I don't talk about that very often, but unfortunately, I'm a really nerdy black hole of uh, professional wrestling knowledge. Completely useless, <laughs> you know. Completely useless information. Um, yeah. I've had so much, so many, so many books and things about about professional wrestling. I think the spectacle of professional wrestling has always enticed me. Um, the idea of this kind of heightened reality um where the fact and fiction were blurred and, um so i i really really considered talking about that for a while but i thought like rather than outing myself as uh, as a complete nerd for that i'd focus on um, doing the same thing for music <laughs> it's really weird because um th- th- this is part of this uh, this podcast is part of scroobius pip's distraction pieces network uh scroobius pip um uh, is a huge wrestling fan and within that network um is jim smallman's podcast yes um and obviously um we've had pre we've had wrestlers on haven't we we've had jimmy yeah. on. Um, i know jimmy very well yeah um, yeah and uh and, and so we've um uh, and, and it's weird because it's where we draw the line because chris you like your wrestling don't you you've been to I'm, lots a, of progress I'm, a, I'm a casual fan will so like i go to progress with pip love it absolutely love it for all the things that you say and then sort of like Pip gets a bit frustrated because by the time I go back next, I've forgotten everything that's happened. I'm like, who's that guy? Uh, but I love it. I think it's, I think it's good. But I'm, a, I'm definitely a casual fan. I wouldn't make to be anything else. 
Well, it's just, I find it so fascinating. Um, I think, like, growing up, that was one of my favourite things. And I grew up, um, like, I didn't really, uh, a lot of people kind of got into wrestling in the 80s with Hulk Hogan and, yeah. and Jake the Snake Robbers and, um, and you know, the Ultimate Warrior and all that stuff. But I was really a, a 90s kind of fan because um, of my age, I suppose. Uh, and I was obsessed with it because it was super, like, back then it was very, very violent. It was very violent programming on, 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 on TV. Um and uh, it, it was really high, the, the sexual elements were all really heightened. Uh, and you look back now, it's kind of kind of horrendous some, some of the things that were yeah. that were done. Um, but like, it, I just found it fascinating. I was like, how on earth? What is this? What is this? What's the the mixture of reality and fiction? What I also found as I got older was the interesting kind of um, getting working in music and uh, the, the how wrestling is kind of kind of similar to the music industry. The wrestling industry is very similar. Things kind of reflect the times. Uh, the reason it was so violent and kind of uh, so controversial back in the nineties was because the nineties were a controversial and uh, a controversial time in general. You know, and quite, like think about what was on television at the time: Jerry Springer and um, Howard Stern uh, and Jackass and, and South Park and all of those things. It yeah. kind of fit into a it, it fit into a place in, in that market. And as times have changed, wrestling has desperately tried to keep up with this kind of. Um, we're becoming a bit more woke, I suppose, and um, and a bit more PC. But to do that, they've had to ignore the entire history of how the business came to be in the first place, which was built on a lot of kind of carnival uh, carnival culture. And um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very very interesting industry. Um, the way it kind of uh, revitalizes itself and tries to adapt. And um, the more you learn about it, the kind of the, the funnier this stuff is. It's like if you guys follow football or sport or anything like that, it's um, you can kind of end up speaking a different language to people who also yeah. follow those things, you know? Um, and so when something happens in the wrestling world now, even as like a, like a kind of, I, I'm older now than, um, than younger kids who get into it. I just laugh to myself every time because you get to know these people over so many years, what Vince McMahon is doing, like some horrendous things recently. He's been getting, doing put on shows in Saudi Arabia and, uh, and, you know, like taking this, this kind of this money from there where they wouldn't let the women wrestle. And yeah. uh, like, it's a bit funny when you know his history because you're like, oh, it's awful. But like, once you know the character of this person and um, and where he's come from, he's a promoter, like a die like a diehard promoter. It's in his blood. The company belonged to his dad before it belonged to him, and all this stuff is it's just really really interesting. And um, yeah, I I think that's one of the things that's kept it so relevant to me as I've gotten older because um, you're just watching the business evolve and change, and and always reflecting popular culture, like when Sting came in WCW dressed in face paint. Yeah. It's just after the crow came out. And so it was obviously the referencing what was going on, in, on on television. The Undertaker is a, is a collection of um, kind of horror tropes from throughout the years. That's all in one character. Um, but yes, it, it, I, I always find that very interesting. It's similar to a lot of the music I like where you pick and choose from a lot of different styles and kind of merge them together into a, into something new. That's kind of, kind of what the wrestling industry does as well with, with popular culture. Sting painting his face white nearly pulled me full time wrestling because the crow, the crow for me was like one of my favourite films, especially in the nineties for for all the things you were saying, and uh, still got one of the best soundtracks I think of all time on a film. And uh, oh, yeah, when my god, when, yeah, so good, isn't it? And uh, when when Stinger painted his face white, I was like, oh, hold on, <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll spend more time on the wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah, it's cracking. Well, me, well, me, I, me and Stu were talking about Marilyn Manson last time we spoke, and yeah. uh, you think about that in 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 the nineties as well. I just think it's it's just fascinating that whole period of time. I always find that so interesting to look back on because that was the world I grew up in. I didn't know anything yeah. before then. Uh, so I was just oh, right, I guess entertainment and, and pop culture is just really really violent and really really controversial all, all the time. You find like now we're, in, we're back into like a, a, a time which is a lot healthier and yeah. um, a lot more aware. But like it kind of apes a little bit what was happening before in the eighties with Hulk Hogan, where you had superheroes and supervillains. And the the the, the uh, it kind of it's cyclical all this stuff you come come to realise it's it's very interesting. And I guess the the, the tenuous link I'm I'm going to throw now is you know that the, there's a theme of theatrics in everything we've just spoken about, uh, and you know very much is that you know is that the case with Jim Steinman's productions? It's huge theatrical sounding, isn't it? Oh yeah, I, I mean uh, I, that, I think that's what hooked me in. I have vivid memories of. Uh, 
staying over my dad's girlfriend's house on a Tuesday. And after they'd all go to bed, I'd stay up and sneak a beer out of his fridge and then put his record, put, put the CDs in, his, in, in their kitchen on. And um, Battle of Hell is one of those records, isn't it? Like, it's, uh, like you've seen the cover. Anyone who hasn't heard the record, you probably have. It's kind of impossible not to at this point in history. Uh, but that cover is so alluring in itself. It looks like a comic book and it sounds yeah, like a comic book, you know? Mm. Like, I'm not going to mention Battle of Hell very much in what we're about to speak about. Um, and, uh, but, but, like, it's, a, it's obviously the his his greatest work it is uh the most concise eight song record eight, eight songs that record is uh and it's one of the best-selling records of all time um produced by uh, todd rungram and uh they famously shopped it around to uh to record producers and uh to record labels but they couldn't record this sound because how do you record Battle of Hell on a budget for demos you just couldn't, couldn't yeah. do it back then now with modern technology you can do a lot on pro tools uh but back then, he would go into a room with Meatloaf and he would be pounding the piano, just a piano and a vocal, and they'd play these, uh, these Battle of Hell songs, which are so over the top and so insane, to, um, to a, a, room, a boardroom full of people who were trying to market disco music to people at the time. <laughs> and uh, Steinman would pound the piano so hard his fingers would bleed. And so you just imagine these people going, what is this? And obviously, it's kind of like, like, was it the Beatles that had a similar story where no one wanted to take it, and then someone did, and obviously they became the biggest band of all time. Well, this became one of the top 10 selling records of, of all time. It's a amazing, an amazing feat of uh, musicianship. Also, the lead single, Battle of Hell, is like a, a, like a, 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 it's like well over five minutes long, that yeah. song. It's not a radio so friendly weird. song. You, you, you say that, Will. When, when I finished recording off the beaten track with you um, last week, um, I, I recorded that afternoon with Frank Turner and Frank chose for his first track, the song with the greatest ever intro, Bat Out of Hell. Oh, it's he a great just one. Like, and he was like, what an intro that's got. He said, like, it's so long. Down, and down. It's just, yeah. Down, down. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right, so number five, what are you going for? So I'm going to give you a, an easy one. This is not, uh, we're not getting super niche here, but this is just something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I've chosen... Um, uh, well, like, not, not a lot of people know that Jim Steinman has uh, has written and produced a lot of records that you wouldn't perhaps expect him to, but it, they become very obvious once you notice. Um, so, Floodland, Sisters of Mercy, uh, this corrosion is a is a, again the, the biggest Sisters of Mercy song, but that was produced by Jim Steinman in New York City. Uh, this is like eighty seven time, um, right after the time where the entire band quit and uh left andrew eldritch um on his own and he obviously found uh patricia patricia vanian and we spoke a little bit about patricia in the past ourselves uh she's become a friend of ours and i'd said floodland was always one of my favorite records growing up an absolutely incredible record but it took a lot of what the sisters of mercy were doing and just heightened it in this way that was like it, it, it crazy like almost completely reinvented the sound um in in some ways and on this corrosion, which is like the lead single with that, um, he has a forty-piece choir on, the, on on that song. Like uh, Jim Steinman was brought in to to produce and, and co-write uh, a few songs. Uh, I think Lucretia, My Reflection, uh, and Dominion, and Dominion, uh, like uh, Dominion was a single as well. Uh, yeah, Dominion is like an amazing, an amazing, ridiculous song. But those songs in particular, they stand out on those those albums um, and on that album because of how absolutely ridiculously grand it is um he would uh he would record the choir upon the choir upon the choir upon the choir which is classic phil Spector territory there you know making people record on top of each other and on top of each other and on top of each other and yeah so he's brought in brought in to do this thing after the success of, of, of meatloaf and uh, to, to make this record and but just the two of them are in the band then so it's andrew eldridge and uh patricia morrison back then who was uh, in the the bags and in, um, in the gun club uh and they looked like the perfect part. Um, since uh, meeting Patricia, I was I've asked about this session with Steinman like uh, a bunch of times of her because I'm just obviously fascinated as a, as a big nerd. And so like it was it was so cool because the, the first times few times I met um, I, I met those guys uh, like Patricia and that um, I was just kind of starstruck. But after a while, as with anyone, you kind of um, you can just start start you feel comfortable enough to start going. So what was making that album like? What was Jim Steinman like? And you start hearing all of these, all these crazy stories. Um, and she was like, he was, um, she told me he had an assistant with him at all times. I had this assistant with him. And his job was to, uh, 
to kind of facilitate whatever Phil needed and, and, and sorry, whatever um, Jim needed. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've, I've just tried to drop Phil Spector in again. Foot, foot, um, Foyd and slip there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Because he's um, quite a wild guy. And I think that the funny thing about Phil Spector is uh, there was an interview I read with, with Jim um, where uh, they, were, they were telling him, um, they, they'd asked Phil Spector what they thought of Jim, he thought of Jim Steinman's um, work. And, uh, and Phil Spector... I think he slagged it off or something, and uh, they, they they told Jim about it. And in this interview, Jim, how does that make you feel? And he said, "Oh, it's like being slapped in the face by God. It's amazing. That I wouldn't expect anything more." And I thought, "That's so sick! What an amazing oh, way to come out Phil of that." Phil Spector's never going to go. Oh. Yeah, he's a really good producer. That's just not Phil Spector, is it? I know, and and that, at the same time, it's almost what Jim wanted him to say. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so this song, so like uh, uh, Dominion, um, the video for that um, record, that, that 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 song was was recorded in Jordan, um, and Patricia was telling me this is why I threw this one in here because I knew some little uh, little pieces that I thought would be fun to share with you. And they had to film. I don't know if you've seen that video, but Andrew yeah. is wearing an all white suit, um, and they're, they're marching around uh, like like in Jordan, that famous landmarks in Jordan. And I was like, how did you do that video? And she said to me. Well, we had to record it in the winter because obviously it would be impossible, too impossibly hot to film yeah. a music video wearing an all-white suit in, <laughs> like, like in any other time. So uh, they, they, they've gone out there and filmed this elaborate video, which you could never film now. They would never allow that sort of thing to be filmed now. Um, and it's impossibly grandiose, completely complements the production on that. Um, again, the, this corrosion video is... Uh, it's just as outlandish. It's like kind of a, a Mad Max dystopian future where Andrew has a pole and they they uh, they covered his, his his whole body in in, in Vaseline so the water would stick and, and, and stay because he's, he's shirtless with a leather jacket on. And she was just saying, all I remember is it was just super cold and super wet all the time in this in this, this movie studio. <laughs> I always found those things fascinating. Yeah, but like yeah, on, on, on the topic of like of Jim, like she was saying that he would. Um, I don't know if I told you this before, but. Uh, he would send his assistant out to, to get meals in and all he'd ever pick, and, and a few different people say this as well. There's a, another famous story of him doing this in a nightclub while, while he was heckling a band. Um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, Jim would order in all the side dishes from, uh, from a restaurant. He would never order a main. He'd order every single side. And then the whole studio would just be covered in side dishes everywhere, like fries and, and things everywhere. He'd just eat junk food. It would just be all over the studio. And he'd eat a little bit and then uh, eat a little bit of one of them, and then just do away with all of it. And I love that story so much because that's exactly what you imagine him to do. He wants excess. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a king of excess. He's got this it's, it's really niche thing. He, he only likes sides, and he's covered the entire place in side dishes like to, to excess, and then done away with them immediately and moved on. Like, <laughs> how incredible. Oh, fry, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, firstly, I did not know um, my, my knowledge of Jim Steinman probably goes as far as Meatloaf and Bonnie Tyler uh, and the, I think it was the, the, the Boy's Own track. Um, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's crazy, story. isn't it? Yeah. But I had no idea that he'd produced um, this corrosion or Dominion. Um, and when I hear it now in my head, them huge uh, 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 like choirs I just think of course that's him like, it's just huge and it's like yeah and and and, and weirdly like because because so much music especially in the 80s with that sort of production like you know a lot of 80s production has dated quite poorly that hasn't that still sounds like sonically still sounds huge doesn't it well it's it's funny as well because like like obviously um andrew's like hates the hates the term um goth like he, he, he's always like even though he's, he's often described as the godfather of, of goth <laughs> music but he hates it like he like he, he he thought it was like it didn't mean anything and um i've always had a lot of respect for andrew eldridge um i just thought I mean, he was wearing a, a white suit it's, in it's, a desert he's two of the least goth things you could ever do right i, I, I mean but <laughs> it's true but you look at the discoration video how many how many goth videos yeah. were, were modeled on that and like when, especially when him and Patricia were together, they were like this, uh, this duo, this iconic duo. Um, yeah. And uh, like, uh, 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 as, as well as that, and, and the kind of the world that they're from, it was just so larger than life. And I remember watching that video and just being absolutely enamored with it back when I was a kid and lo absolutely loved it. And 
even now when I go when I was in Los Angeles making this creeper record, I used to go to this this club uh, called um, Bar Sinister, like a goth industrial like kind of club night, um, and that would get played every single night I went. It's still so uh, vital in that community uh, and still like the, the anthem that everyone dances to like young people are still meeting their girlfriends while they listen to this cohesion and i think that says something you know i mean i just love the fact there's a golf park called bar City. <laughs> <laughs> love it, that. yeah it, it, it's funny it's quite divisive among that community um like that place but uh yeah it's, it's, it's a it's a really interesting spot uh there's like a little bdsm club upstairs and downstairs there's kind of dancers and then there's an outdoor smoking area which is my favorite smoking area I've ever been to. There's like a bar out there and there's uh, some nights there would be like fetish things going on. Other nights there would be like a band playing and, and it, it's just massive and, and really sprawling. Um, and, and you can kind of get lost in this place. It, it was, it's really, really cool. They had like a, when you walk in down in Bar Sinister, there's like a little alleyway you get to down there. They had cellars and this one man had been making glass sculptures with his own blood. And I'm thinking, this is wild. Wow. This is so wow. cool. But yeah, th- this is what I mean. Like this is th- this record has inspired like like this entire this entire community you know like it's and it's still like the anthem that everyone goes to it's the, like those are the most obvious most famous uh, sisters of mercy songs um arguably and he did one more record after this with them um you know that song more are you, are you familiar with that one again it's got all this the, the, the steinman um the steinman hallmarks on it um it's uh, so larger than life and but just did an amazing piece of love no i don't think he did temple of love um uh right. I, I, not to my knowledge, um, I've, I've got a very rare pressing of Temple of Love. It was a gift for Christmas, actually, from um, one of my mum's friends um, that gave me their, their, their copy of Temple of Love. Um, very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, oh, uh, cool. I, I was a massive fan. And you know what's funny as you get older? Because I've been a fan of, of The Sisters of Mercy before I knew Jim had done the records. And you get older and you realise, oh, all these pieces, of course, I'm a, uh, of course Jim did it. Like you just said, let's do Like it's like, of course, of course, Jim did this record. It ties in with all of my other favourite things. Of course, they're all working together. <laughs> okay, number four, Will. Okay, so I've, I've got a list of them in front of me this time, and I've come very prepared. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to build up to the best one. I think what I'm going to go for is uh, a record called. Um, he made a record called uh, Pandora's Box, and and this record, um, it was a concept record um, uh, about Pandora's Box. And Jim, it was Jim putting together a girl band, basically. Uh, this is like an 89 sort of time. Um, and I don't suspect you guys would have heard this, maybe. Have you, have you heard of Pandora's no. Box before? Okay, so it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous record. Um, it's all, all, all the songs. The thing is, you'll know the songs from this record um, because it's all coming back to me, isn't it? Um, and uh, obviously that's the, what went on to be that massive Celine Dion uh, classic, you know, um, and Meatloaf would, would try his own version in, on, the, on the latter, um, the, the last Battle of Hell record, Battle of Hell 3, which we don't talk about very much. Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, it, so the, the songs on this record went on to be very successful, but this was a complete flop. Uh, like the, where was it a success? Um, it was only successful in, um, oh, South Africa. South Africa, this record was really big Snapped in South it Africa. <laughs> it was big, big in South Africa. Um, and Ellen Foley, um, who sung on... You know, Paradise by the Dashboard Light the, uh, on Battle of Hell um, one. Uh, she was the voice in um, on, on on the record, but another woman called Carla DeVito um, went on tour and sung it on stage each night. So uh, there's this, 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 this uh, and all the, all the videos. It's um, it's Carla doing it, and but on the record, it's this this woman called Ellen Foley. So Steinman brings back Ellen Foley for this this Pandora's Box record. Um, and makes it like makes this puts together this, this girl band essentially, um, and um, it's this really larger than life. Again, it's got these monologues which um, which I absolutely love. You, you you'll be familiar with um, on a hot summer night. Would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? You, you know that one from uh, yeah. So on this one, he's got this one. It's called uh, I've been dreaming up a storm lately, and um, he would, again he would reuse some of the lyrics for this. A lot of this, this the stuff in his catalogue he would completely uh, take from and reuse again or meatloaf would buy off him years and years later when they, when they fell out and, and, and do his own version of it. That was kind of a terrible version of uh, one of these amazing songs. But again, grander, larger than life. Um, a lot of these, the, the songs in this record would go on to be very, very successful with other artists, but the, the album's amazing. It's so, so good. It's uh, 
it's just one of those records that n no one ever heard. It's um, uh, a ridiculous. No, again, the artwork for it is absolutely bonkers. Um, but I think he was he was trying to. Um, I, I think I feel like he was. It's kind of like one of those things where he made Meatloaf a star, um, undeniably. Um, Meatloaf is a is, is got had a star quality of his own. You'd often think about um, the size, like like they, they put down the size of Meatloaf. Um, and, and like speaking to like kind of outsider kids who didn't quite fit the rock star stereotype, he was trying to do that again with this band, trying to make a, a develop a, 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 a group. And um, often they say about Jim Steinman, he uh, he he writes all these really sexy songs, like these sexy larger than life love songs. But like he's just not that guy. He's like writing, he's writing about a life he wished he lived. Uh, you know, like like this kind of. You know the world's falling apart, and and but uh, but we're in love, and, and it's, all, all of that stuff going on, uh, that, and that stuff's always really appealed to me. It's all, it, all through my work, but this record is no different to that. It's um, it's ridiculous. Uh, like it's really, really larger than life, really, really over the top, and yeah, I still listen to this record all the time. It's um, I, I think some of so, these versions are better than the, uh, the the ones that would go on to be successful. So has he had a a, a bit of a um? Up and down relationship then with with, with Meatloaf over the years. Oh yeah, oh we're gonna get into that. Uh, there's a there's some really <laughs> funny stuff there. Um, so after uh, like there was, there was the whole about um, how big his name was on, on the record, um, and it's it's a real it's a real shame to me that uh, he's not um, he's regarded in music world as like a uh, uh, like in, like in the music industry as this incredible songwriter, but like. The general public, like if you ask somebody who knew Meatloaf, um, like you ask my dad who, who Jim Steinman was, he wouldn't know. But no. he could sing you the whole Meatloaf records, yeah. you know. Um, hmm. And it's he's like back he, of he, house he, he, at a restaurant, isn't he? He's, he's like you just don't hear, you just see the people at the front, but he's the one sort of like doing the genius, as you say on Bat Out of Hell. That was all him. And but like, well, how yeah. did he meet Meatloaf? Is it was it a college or? It well, I can actually young. do a segue into my next one if you want, so we can Perfect. get to it. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, th this is, he met Meatloaf uh, in New York City. I actually wrote the date down to, to oh, 1973. Um, so Jim works in, uh, in, in musicals. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, he, like he, was, he, he, wrote, he was writing musicals um, from a really young age. Um, just this prolific genius, you know. And often you find with those people that like... Um, they they can't you know you know they they kind of on the spectrum somewhere where they're just so so good at something but like and that's kind of like a lot of what you hear about Jim is he's just like so zeroed in from a very young age he was just so like feverishly good at like creating and crafting these worlds but like uh, a lot of his kind of people skills outside of that weren't always the best I don't, I, don't, I didn't know you know I don't know the guy myself I wouldn't want to judge but uh, yeah. he was doing this musical called More Than You Deserve. Um, and Meatloaf came and try, tried out for More Than You Deserve. Um, and so in walks, like he's trying out all these different kind of classically trained kind of um, theatre people. Um, and then Meatloaf walks in, this big guy um, with long hair and his name, he like everyone's been calling him Meatloaf. And so immediately I drew, drew attention to him. And he auditioned and he sung the, um, the, the title track of the musical, it's uh, More Than You Deserve. And um, apparently it was like, it, like, like it, it stopped the entire audition process. People were crying. It was like this emotional, the way he sung it. Like, uh, so, you know, back in the day, his voice was absolutely outrageous. Such a brilliant voice. Um, oh, yeah. And so Jim was like, oh, you know what? Like, I think there's a rock singer in here. And uh, so that's what kickstarted their relationship. That's how they, uh, he put together the songs for, uh, for Bad Out of Hell and started to shopping them around to the labels. But um, the fact that this song is a, it's a great song as well. It's a really, really cool song. So um, this segues into my next point, I guess, as well, about this, the, the, this track. Um, after Battle of Hell, Jim Steinman and Meatloaf had a big fallout. Meat had lost his voice, but it, uh, apparently he was doing a lot of drugs at the time as well, not really looking after himself very well. So uh, what happened then was um, he, like, he said, he can't, I can't do another record, I can't do another record. Um, and there's a really great VH1 documentary, you know, the Behind the Music series um, from back in the day. Uh, yeah. They used to do those. Um, when he's talking about like, um, he said to Simon, "Oh, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm like a, a steam train. I'll just keep going. You put put me a coal, but latch yourself on, and we'll, 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 you know we're going to go to the top." But like, what what another another person in the documentary was saying was, Meatloaf was giving like an like an opera singer's performance every night. But opera singers tend to take like you know like do two shows a week. Meat was doing seven a week, and so 
Yeah, like like during the course of that at that time, if you if you ever seen the the old Grey Whistle Test um, performance of um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's incredible. And, and Jim Steinman's on the tour; he's playing the piano in the background and singing all the backing parts. You know, um, but uh, his voice is kind of raspy, and, and it's the beginning of the of the, t- the wear and tear of, of Beatles' voice. You can kind of hear it happening. So. Um, yeah, he, he the second record he wasn't prepared to do um, uh, like, at the time. And Jim kind of tried to work out something else, which we'll get to again a little later on. Um, but Meatloaf went and did a record eventually in 81 uh, called Dead Ringer, which you'll know from uh, Dead Ringer for Love with Cher. And a lot of the songs were Steinman pieces. Um, uh, but again, it was during the period of time where they weren't, they weren't touring together or anything like that. Um, and this record didn't do particularly well. Um, but he cut. But he did the the song um, that the, that, he's, that he sung in on the musical that created their relationship more than you deserve. Did a, a, a studio version, um, and it's it's amazing, guys. It's so good. I used to sing sing this song when I was warming up to go on stage every day. Um, it's just really, really, really over the top and dramatic. Um, and it's like then I saw you making out with my best friend. <laughs> so like really over the top and uh, really silly. And they made this amazing music video which is one of the funniest videos. Um, Meatloaf's in all of his gear, you know, at the time we had like the big flowy shirt and he, he goes into a, um, he goes into a, uh, a diner, like uh, uh, to, to uh, and it's, it's a, his girlfriend's the waitress there and there's another man chatting to her and he's singing at everybody and it's just, it's just absolutely bonkers. Um, the sort of thing you'd never make today. Uh, for one, I don't think the music industry would sign Meatloaf today still. Um, but like it was it, like because it's so out there, you know, it's, um, it was really out of the box then. People were taking risks with things back then a little bit. Even at that time, you know, when people were taking risks, these records, people weren't getting them at first. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's an amazing song from the musical, More Than You Deserve. Um, and the recorded version came out in 73. But um, yeah, like it's a, it, it, like, oh, I'm sorry, the musical happened in 73. That's how they first met. That's where, how it went, went down. But later on, they would do Dead Ringer the second uh, Meatloaf record. Um, and Steinman's songs are on there, but it wasn't, wasn't the same. Didn't work out. Do you think um, that... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The, the, the point where people stopped experimenting with over-the-top grand videos. Do you think, like... After November rain, do you think everybody sort of sat down and went, <laughs> where can we go from here? We can't, we th- can't follow that. That's got to be the end of it. <laughs> that video is bonkers, guys. That video is absolutely uh, crazy. Um, I'll tell you, I'll speak to you about it later because I've told the story on here before, but um, I, I interviewed the guy that made that video and, and I've got some really interesting stuff to tell you about. So I'll tell oh, you I'd love to know about that. <laughs> we were watching that not so long ago. We watched, actually watched a, like, um, a Journey video the other night. Um, I can't remember, the, the songs escaped, I can't remember the song for the life of me, but like this, 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 uh, so that escapes me. But the video is them all singing deadpan serious to the camera but all gyrating at the camera at the same time. There's a girl walking down, there's a zoom in on a bum and she's wearing like a latex skirt. And then they're all, they're all um, air drumming, and, but then their instruments, it's like 
you just don't see these sorts of videos from that sort of time period. But no one's made. sticking around. Everyone's being serious. It's deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love. I think that's what's so funny about this stuff. And I think like, I think it's like tongue in cheek, you know, in this slight way too. Like, but like people t- taking it really, really seriously and following through with the vision, not laughing on camera, not like, like, you know, it's not a joke, but like now looking back on it, you're like, this is, this is amazing. Isn't it? This is so cool. Brilliant. Um, Number, what, what number are we on? We're on three, I believe. Are we on three? On, or is that two? What have I done? Because you just yeah, said, you said great oh, into yeah. that one. That was quite quick. So we might so, be so on we, three. I, I think we're on three because I've done this. I've done Sisters of Mercy. We did Pandora's Box. Yeah. And that now we've oh, spoken to you about this record. It's a yeah. single, this one, but it's a yeah. more than you deserve. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so, so I believe we're on three now. This, is a, this should be the fourth one now, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. These two are really good. Um, so, um, so it's 1998, and um, uh, Tim Burton has made a film, um, the, the, the first Batman film with Jack Nicholson and uh, and Michael Keaton. Uh, like an amazing, amazing, probably my favourite Batman film. Not Batman, yeah, it's so good. Um, it's a beautiful like imagery. Obviously, Burton was on. This is when Burton was really, really on it. Really, really mm-hmm. good, making all those really amazing films for the CGI. You know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Um, obviously, Steinman was completely infatuated with this this movie, and um, tried to make a musical of um, of, of the, the Timber and Batman film um, for the stage. <laughs> Didn't know this. Uh, I know, and it's it's a this is a um, a really niche thing that you can guys can all go and listen to because um, there are demos of all the songs online, um, and they are absolutely amazing. It's so so bonkers. Um, so. Yes, uh, Batman, Batman the Musical. Um, apparently, no way. Batman the Musical. Yeah, uh, all the costumes from the like we use all the same sort of costumes from the, uh, the from the film. Um, and it was there was a bit of Batman Returns in there as well. It was like they were trying to fuse these two together. This is the Burton the Burton franchise of Batman. And apparently, what well, the way Jim says it is, Tim Burton. Um, he went to Tim Burton with it, and he thought it was a great idea. So Jim started going away and, and writing all these um, writing all these songs for this musical. And then when he presented it to Burton, Burton denied ever having any knowledge of it and would never agree to it. <laughs> so, uh, so it's kind of this, um, yeah, there's this kind of, um, this, they, they can't really see eye to eye on this stuff. Um, so, yes, this, this song is absolutely amazing. Um, a lot, a lot, uh, this, this record, uh, there are, uh, if you search it, you can fi- find it on like an old GeoCities website, um, the Batman musical. It's still there now. You can uh, listen to all the demos. And Jim oh, Steinman, Jim Steinman sings almost all of them himself, um, which is a common as a common thread with some of this stuff. Uh, like, um, like for example, there's a great video of um, online of, of um, Jim teaching Bonnie Tyler how to sing Total Eclipse of the Heart. You know, he obviously writes these songs and he sings them mm. all. So if you imagine all those Meatloaf records, originally they were all sung by Jim Steinman, and he's just put characters in place and, and people around him to, to build his stories and bring his characters to life, you know, play, playing off this vision he has. So anyway, um, he wrote this record. I'm just picturing, sorry, I'm just picturing Tim Burton sitting there looking really fucking confused while there's this guy with his fingers bleeding playing the piano <laughs> surrounded by fucking sides everywhere. <laughs> Got this idea, Batman the musical. Do you, well, do you want any of these fries? I'm not going to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a hundred packets of fries and they're all here. Um, yeah, so um, he... Um, yeah, so, so so Burton completely denied it. It was uh, there was a, a lot of the time that the, the cancellation of this musical from ever happening um, was often put down. Uh, Steinman had made a, a musical called um, "Dance of the Vampires" uh, that that had gone terribly, <laughs> and, uh, and so a lot of people put down the cancellation of this one to how poorly that one did. But the songs, I really, really, really implore you guys to go and listen to these songs. Um, the little demos, actually, like uh, I think, like. Um, like Roy Dodd, who was one of the backing singers on Battle Bat of Hell, sings some of these songs. Um, but like the ones that with Steinman are singing are my favourites. Uh, there was one called um, "We're Still the Children uh, We Were Then," and it's a Catwoman and Batman singing to each other. Um, and it goes, "We were the children. We, we were still the children. We were then." Still trying to get home, and it's like ridiculous because you imagine in your head what I've just sung to you. But with Batman in a full, in, in a full latex Batman suit and Catwoman <laughs> singing to each other, uh, it's uh, there's 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 and there's a song about Batman not allowed 
uh, not allowed to fall in love because he's got to be Batman, you know, like he, like he can't fall in love. He's got time to fall in love. And I'll sing a bit. That one goes, I'm not allowed to love, not allowed to fall. It, it's like ridiculous. It's like crazy. You couldn't put the sounds together because on paper, you're like, Battlefield, Batman. I can kind of, you can kind of, if you squint your eyes a little bit, you can kind of see that. But when you hear it, it is absolutely bonkers. There's songs that are supposed to be sung by like police chiefs on there. Um, in, in the land of the pig, the butcher is king is a song from it, um, which uh, again, in very classic, uh, the story of Simon, very classic thing that ha- frequently happens. Meatloaf bought that song off him and then um, recorded a version of that on Battle of Hell 3. So you can hear in the land of the pig, the butcher is king. Um, in the land of the pig, the butcher is king <laughs> on, on a later record. So a lot of this was kind of harvested for its good parts. Um, um, you know, holding on for a hero, for example, like yeah. um, you that song, another yeah. Steinman, another Steinman song. Um, the intro for that, he he cribbed from uh, another one of his uh, another one of his songs. Like he, he's kind of constantly like producing material and taking the best bits out when he needs it. Um, but this musical, you've got to go find it. You've got to go listen to it. Well, it's I've got to say, like um, with Pandora's Box and this, that's why I love these top fives. Um, because my, my knowledge of Jim's not, not that deep, you know, it extends not that, you know, where, where shoes is probably a little less reaching than that. And uh, then you, you throw out these and that's that's my afternoon now. It's, it's, it's going, oh, I, going I, really hope, I really hope you do. I think you'll have such a nice time doing it. It's uh, it's just bonkers. Like the, the, the crazy world of, of Steinman. Um, I used to think about that um that story about him. Uh, so there was, a, I used to read interviews with him. I, I always wanted Steinman merch and t-shirts and things because I was like, I, I love these records so much. You could never find them. So I go on these little hunts, but you'd always find these really old magazine clippings um, with, with weird interviews. And this is why I believed Patricia when she was telling me about the sites um, in New York City when she was making the Sisters of Mercy record. Because um, there's this, this article where this, this interviewer has gone to meet him um, to have this interview. And he's in a, in a bar. And he's got sides all around him and, and like a Coke with a big, a big curly straw on it. And a band's playing. He's just like heckling the band as he's doing this interview and, you know, nibbling on sides. And it's, what, what an amazing man. Like these, these people, they don't come around all so often. Um, little crazy geniuses. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's the best. Just loving the thought he's just heckling some band thinking, that <laughs> <laughs> That could be a goer. There's not, there's not enough latex <laughs> on that stage. <laughs> but like you say, he was—he's a, a genius. He, like in terms of script, right? He, like he—he he was writing plays. One got commissioned when he was still at college. And yeah. I don't know if that was the same one that no, he auditioned. No, yeah, that—that that is very. That's very, very true. Uh, like, yeah, he—he he was. Um, this is it. Like, he—he's been prolific his entire career. You know. Um, I've been. Try- I was trying to meet him for ages. This is one of my dreams, was to meet him. He's one of my heroes. Uh, and so um, I was trying to reach out because I wanted one of those monologues, basically, for for the Creeper record. I really wanted for the first Creeper album. You know, um, he, when he's just shouting and doing poetry and just shouting and building up and building down, and just loved it. Um, but like, he's so hard to get hold of. We got hold of his agent in the end. Um, but I just wanted to be like, I was like, just tell him, like, I'm in this, I'm a, I'm a younger guy in this band and I'm absolutely infatuated with his music. Uh, I'd love just to, 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 just to meet up with him and, and if you'd be interested in doing something together. I was like, I, like anything, anything he wants to do, I'd, I'm just there and up for. But he's just so hard to get hold of. He's, he's, he's a little bit older now. The most recent thing he did was um, Bat Out of Hell, the musical. Um, uh, it's like, of course, that was going to happen at some point. Um, but that's always been his dream for that, I think. Uh, and they did it in London, the premiere in London. I think he came to that. Um, but he's in a wheelchair now. Uh, he's, uh, he, but he still dresses absolutely amazing. He looked like he, he was wearing, he, there's some photos of him online where he won some award and he was wearing some, some, a pair of glasses, like sunglasses that were like um, basically made of mirrors um, that like, they look like something from, from Star Trek, you know, like one of, one of the Borgs would wear or something. I don't know if the Borgs ever wore sunglasses. And, um, <laughs> And uh, he's got like a glove on that's got loads of little buttons and things on it, and he's it, like, he just looks amazing. He's still true to form. Was he one of those little Nintendo gloves from the? <laughs> Do you remember those? <laughs> <laughs> I 
just picture the guy at the premiere, like from Deliveroo, just with a big box of stuff, just looking for the guy with a mirror sunglasses <laughs> and the robot hand. <laughs> I'll come out front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, top spot is it? Top spot, it has okay. to be this. It has to be this one. Um, this is one of my favorite records of all time. So, after Meatloaf goes and makes Dead Ringer, Simon is involved in it tentatively, but they've, they've had a, have a bit of a, a very poor relationship at this time. He doesn't tour. Um, the second follow-up to the Meatloaf record that Simon had written was a record called Bad for Good. Um, Meatloaf couldn't do it, um, obviously, because his voice had gone out. It came out in 1981, and um, Steinman just decided, how about, after all the, the, the problems with the last one, with like who, the credits and everything, how about I just sing my songs? So Steinman made a solo album called Bad For Good in 1981. Uh, he got a lot of the people that were involved in um, Bat Out of Hell to be involved in this as well. Uh, and it is absolutely amazing. It's like one of my all-time favorite records Uh is um the the, ta- the the cover of it has like a like an angel with a guitar holding a girl and it's all painted by the same guy who did the first meatloaf record it's larger than life it's extremely flamboyant um he uh he actually had a top 10 record with this uh which is crazy because no one's ever heard it <laughs> he never meet anyone who's heard it when i go on tour um i always like to pull it out at some point with the other bands like uh there's this band, uh, Ryan, who plays in the band State Champs. We are, I was on tour with him. And he was like, have you got anything I, I, I've been listening to in the band? I was like, I've got an album for you. Do you like me? Like, and he was like, yeah, like enough. And I was like, get, get on Spotify and listen to, to, to Jim Steinman's solo record, Bad for Good. And he'd never heard of it before. And the next day, his entire band came up to me and were like, this record's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, losing their mind about it. Because I know when people hear it for the first time, because what's cool about it is that's a weird, it's really over the top. It's all the production elements you're familiar with, with Bat Out of Hell, but with Steinman singing. And he's a competent singer, but he's not Meatloaf. Uh, so his voice kind of rasps and breaks and he's like, oh, like all through it. There's a, like, a weird punk rock energy to, to his performances on this thing. Like Rory Dodd, uh, who was sung backups on uh, Bat Out of Hell, sings a couple of songs, uh, the lead vocal, like the more falsetto ones. Like the, there's a song on it called Surf's Up. And um, a lot of Steinman, uh, Steinman's uh, stuff is... Uh, is, that a, is that a cover? Is that a Beach Boys cover? Uh, uh, no. Um, it's uh, it, like, like you, you think that. And I think the first time I got it, I assumed as much. Um, this one is absolutely not a Beach Boys cover because it's got a, um, the line in it that Steinman wrote, um, which is like he's, he's, always, he's always singing about sex, Steinman. And when you see pictures of him, you can't imagine him writing these lyrics. Uh, so, like, the, the, the tail, like the, the, the tag of that um, chorus is uh, surfs up and so am I, uh, which is just a barbona. Like, it's like a, he's mentioned it in interviews. He's like, written these songs about sex, like, like these beautiful ballads just about, you know, um, you know, ridiculous. Like, it's kind of like Roy Orbison in a way. You know, I drove all night and kept him to your room uh, to make love to you. But at that point when Roy's <laughs> making that record, he's like an older man, you know? It's a, yeah. So anyway, this is all about Peter Pan as well, which is where I, I drew, drew a lot of inspiration for him from this album uh, when we were doing uh, our album, Maternity in Your Arms. Um, we based a lot of our, our narrative around Peter Pan, but like, we named the characters and based it in a different world. Uh, but he's always been obsessed with Peter Pan. And a lot of people are. Michael Jackson was very obsessed with Peter Pan, as you remember. Uh, and yeah, so there's like a song called Lost Boys and Golden Girls, which is this beautiful, outrageous song. But this is like a really X-rated version of, of Peter Pan. <laughs> like, a, it's, um, there's a lyric on the first song. Um, You've been living your life like a girl in a cage and you whisper when I want you to shout. It's like ridiculous. And, he, and it's Steinman singing it. So you've got the most authentic from his brain to your ears you've ever had it's uh it's his his it, the artist's voice who's written this this crazy beautiful nonsense in your ears singing it to you it's incredible there's a great anecdote about um one of the studio engineers there's a song on this um which is quite famous among like kind of nerdy Steinman people um called left in the dark um and it is just it goes on far too long um it's such a long long excessive song and it is amazing. Um, but the studio engineer tried to slit his wrists when he was making this, this, this record with him um, wow. because of, of how incredibly arduous it was. And Meatloaf, 
predicted this was going to happen uh, if he ever tried to do this song uh, years ago. He was like, someone's going to try and kill themselves if you do this song. Uh, because the millions of takes he was doing, it, like the, the content of the song, it's just ridiculously long. There's a bit where Steinman is whispering. Uh, it breaks down. It goes massive, 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 and then tight and small. And, and, and he's going, uh, I just need some love, so turn on the light and I'll be left in the dark again. It's like ridiculous. Like It's so, so over the top, and it builds and swells and crashes. And, and it's just a, an amazing piece. But he threw this record out. He then started trying to do a circuit like you would do with a meatloaf record. And he went out and did TV slots. All the videos are very homoerotic, um, and uh, there, there are dancers, um, dancers playing the Lost Boys with guitars, throwing guitars to each other, <laughs> coming into a girl's bedroom at nighttime, and like uh, basically performing Swan Lake over the bed and, and, and jumping all around. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely mad. And then he did that on television um, with. Uh, the two dancers, uh, a live performance. Jim is wearing leather gloves, which I absolutely love. I have, a, I bought a pair uh, not so long ago, complete homage to um, Jim Steinman and his leather gloves. Um, he's wearing a leather, uh, like a, a leather jacket. He's Great wearing, name for an album. What leather gloves? <laughs> G- G- Jim Steinman and his leather gloves. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the backing band. That should be his backing band. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being one of the leather gloves as well. That'd be funny. Um, <laughs> I'm baby small. <laughs> um, yeah, he um, he does this 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 um, video. There's a video on YouTube you can see of him uh, of him performing, and he's standing there with a mic on a stand, sung like like aviators on, um, and long flowing kind of wispy hair that goes down to about here, and um, he is uh, singing as these two dancers in like leotards dance and gyrate across each other and it's it's like what i love about all of this in general is it's theater people who love rock and roll trying to interpret rock and roll it's like oh we, we can play rock and roll yeah sure but obviously all of the things you, you, you can take the theater kid out of the theater but you can't take the theater out of the kid they're, they're all just totally. so so insane you know like uh, it, it's like um, when Phil Spector tried to record the Ramones, you know, like two worlds is colliding. But this is, yeah. that's basically what Jim Steinman is, you know. Um, mm. It's a- amazing. Um, and finally, uh, on, on this point, um, there's a song called this, uh, called, um, uh, and I say it in, 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 in an English accent, it, um, uh, it doesn't rhyme. It's supposed to say, uh, I'll say it, so I say it in American one, it's a song called, um, dance in my pants or dance in my pants, you know, um, and it's, uh, it, it is amazing. It's, uh, it is, uh, Carla, um, from, uh, who, who performed live on the, uh, on the meatloaf, um, tour, um, but didn't record the vocals on the song. She now has got, got a big break on Jim Steinman's solo record, doing a duet with, um, Jim Steinman. And they made a video for this song. It's, it's basically like a paradise, but a dashboard light kind of part two, really. I'll read that. So that, um, and it is uh, it's an incredible song. But the video is bonkers. Jim Steinman walks into a peep show. Um, and as he gets inside uh, the peep show, he has a really weird interaction with um, a lady on the door. He, he, I think he's dressed as a cowboy as well. He's dressed as a cowboy. And he goes into this peep show and pays in. Um, and uh, uh, he goes in. And as, as, as the screen, you know, like in Amsterdam, those peep shows you have where, where it's like in a big circle and um, it's like... A, like Kind of like don't know, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I bet you've never done any of that before. <laughs> yeah, like you know what I mean. Like those big kind of uh, like a very strange um, kind of uh, peep show. And as the as, the, as the, the mirror goes clear, it's Carla in the middle and dressed as like I don't know a shepherd. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and they begin singing this song. And it, then it becomes like a part where they're all dancing and um, there's this amazing part where Steinman comes in, where Steinman's at the edge of a bar. It feels like almost like Lynchian. Um, he's at the edge of a bar and someone is throwing him drinks and he's singing the line, I'm a lover, not a dancer. Like he's going, I'm a lover, not a dancer. And as they throw him drinks, he, gets, he catches the drink like in a bar and then and like a weird sound effects played it every time, like something from like a... a an old B movie, that sort of thing, as he catches it and he goes to drink it and he throws it on the floor. They throw him another one, he goes to drink it, he throws it on the floor over and over again while he, while he sings this line. Um, Does uh, he ever eat or drink? 
Uh, oh, fuck knows. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a if it was a portion of like I don't know fried pickles. You might have one. Um, but um, <laughs> but um, he um, he's catching it and he's singing the line. Um, uh, don't want to be on my feet when I can be in the sack. Like uh, he's singing all this stuff to the camera. Don't want to be on my feet when I can be in the sack. I'm a lover, not a dancer. Anyway, doing this whole thing. And it is just crazy. By the end of it, he that's like a whirlwind and then starts dancing over everybody. Um, I don't want to, the, the lyric is, I don't want to ever be rescued. I don't want to ever be saved. I've got a feeling like I'm going to be like this forever, dancing on the edge of my grave. And it's just bonkers. It's crazy. The whole thing is mad. The very title of the record is from a song inside of it. And um, it's my fav- one of my favorite lyrics of all time. It's, um, and I know that I'm going to be like this forever. I'm never going to be what I should. You think that I'll be bad for just a little while, but I know that I'll be bad for good. And they called the record Bad for Good. They pulled that the end of that and put that on the album. <laughs> I just love that. I think it's so oh, good. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's an incredible top five, Will. Um, I feel like I've sort of spoken up. a lot then, but... Yeah, no, sorry, oh, man, I'm, I'm very excited away. about telling Honestly, you stuff. Like, when, when there's... there's Different routes people go with their top fives. And um, it's so incredible when someone really, really is that passionate. And the fact that you've actually gone in and, and you're reciting the lyrics to us and singing them, that's, that's made my afternoon, mate. So, yeah, do not, oh, do not worry about cool. it. If, we, um, if we're talking a lot, um, yeah, because we, we normally do, don't we, Stu? The fact that we're yeah. just sat here listening is, uh, is, a, is a good thing. Um, so, Will, uh, new Creeper record, right? Yes, New Keeper album, July 31st. It, it's it, it's uh, finally released into the world at uh, last. Um, it's been the bait of my existence for about two years. <laughs> it's finally done. And you've got um, music videos to come with this as well. Well, they're out, aren't they? You can, you, they're, all, they're all available. And do you ever take much of Jim's ethics into those as well, Will? I think we almost constantly think about uh, Jim Steinman when we're, when we're almost doing anything. Like the, the, the music videos... Uh, are always really, really over the top, and as much as we can get away with um, with um, the 2020 budgets as in comparison to 1981. Uh, but uh, sure. we have we have so much fun with it. It's, it's always very larger than life with Creeper. A lot of the um, the monologues I was telling you about earlier on uh, feature throughout this record. It's how it's how we I, I heard that story from Patricia. Like she was in uh, recording with us um, and did did some spoken word things with me, and we're doing like a Jim Steinman sort of back and forth pieces uh, passages for the record. And, that's been such a, a delight for me, and um, really, you know, serves uh, serves a lot of my favourite things in one go. And um, yeah, like the music videos are, 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 are again big flamboyant affairs, uh, as uh, as much as we can make them. There's one final one to come um, in, the, in the next two weeks, which is very exciting about it being released. Um, and uh, there is, um, yeah, it comes out on July 31st. I think I think we, we've just announced a show this morning. We're going to do a, we put a show in Kingston for the end of the year. Um, Along with songs like Banquet Records, uh, it goes on sale um, soon. I don't know by the time this comes out. Um, I don't know if it might already this, be on this sale. Will be, this will be coming out a few days after um, your uh, your uh, new video drops, I think. So we will add the links to um, obviously your site and your uh, your socials and a link to where people can go and uh, check out the album, buy tickets for the show and, uh, and watch your vid. Amazing! Thank you so much, guys. I've really oh. enjoyed this. It was so funny um, when I before I came in down to do this. Um, I, I said to my my guitar tech, I said, "Oh, you know, um, I'm going to go and chat about five things, uh, my, my favorite things." And, and I said, oh, I, "I was, I, I hope, I, you know, I can recite enough stuff." And he just turned to me and went, "You never shut up. You'll be fine." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there, so there you go. Wonderful. Um, Will, thanks so much, a, mate. Real it's pleasure. Been, uh, yeah. Been great. Guys, thank you for having me. It's been it's been my pleasure too. Wonderful. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Oh yeah. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts. You maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, 
Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.